This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, saving your day from boredom with the best podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with fellow man-child, Johnny Carlin. And we are back for another edition of the Rick and Johnny podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. If you're on YouTube, hello. It is great to see your wonderful faces. If you're on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, or Stitcher, thank you for giving us a listener download today. And if you checked out the pre-show recording today, mm-hmm. Handyman Johnny did some work. You fixed our table for us. I did. You fixed our table. You put some more screws into it. That's the real reason they brought me on. It's, it's not really to do this. It was this, to fix this, stuff. This is just the side perk to you doing all the uh, this is, the this manual is, labor around uh, this the is studio. Your, this is kind of you guys humoring me <laughs> and paying me. Yeah, we, 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 we just let you come on and talk. We really want you for fixing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's, that's the reason they bring me on. But we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about Hellboy. Yep. It's going to get an R-rated reboot. We're going to talk about our opinions Gruesome and that. gritty Hellboy. We're going to look at Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. How will Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde fit into the Mummy movie, the Universal yes. Monster movie, coming out in about under a month from the day that we're recording this on Mother's Day. Also, happy, happy Mother's, Mother's Day, Day to all the mothers to out all there. all the mothers out there. And if uh, you haven't wished your mom a happy Mother's Day, Shame on you. go and do it. I know you'll see this after the fact, but go ahead and wish her a happy Mother's Day again because you can never thank your mom too much for being a great mom. Exactly. And then on the last topic, we're going to look at Game of Thrones. We have yet to talk about Game of Thrones. We're going to look at Jon Stark and, or Jon Snow. Snow. And Sansa Stark. He's a Stark, it's fine. Basically, he's a Stark at heart. He's a Stark in blood. Well, half blood, and, yeah. Oh, half blood. And basically, we're going to look at which one of those two should reign over the North, kind of setting you guys up for when the season comes back. King we'll be doing North. episode reviews for Game of Thrones when that comes back in mid July. But, Johnny, let's start with Hellboy. And this, this is a movie that both me and you love. Yeah. And to me, this was one of the first comic book movies that I actually remember going to see in the theater and actually having like a vivid memory of. And when I saw that this was going to get an R-rated reboot, I was like, thank you. Thank you for the R-rated reboot. And the quote that we have that I'm going to lead to kind of start all of this off is from the film screenwriter Andrew Cosby, and it says, I really can't talk about specifics with regards to the story, which they're keeping a pretty tight lid on at the moment, but I can say that this is going to be a darker, more gruesome version of Hellboy, end quote. Just hearing that, mm-hmm. as long like R-rated version and a more gruesome, darker version of Hellboy, take my money, I'm going to go see it right away. Yeah, like you said, um, one of the first... Um, comic book movies we've seen. It came out 2004. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it was way before Marvel was getting their mm-hmm. had un- their stuff underway. And that was also the time where it was in that point of where everything was in life. Um, I want to say that was right before we were just entering high school. Yes, it was. Before Hellboy came out. We were just finishing eighth grade. Yeah. So, I mean... Um, I'm actually really excited to see um, this little more gruesome, mm-hmm. grittier, darker reboot. Because, I mean, yeah, the Hellboy movies were great, but tell me they couldn't have used that little extra oomph to it. I mean, like I said, they were great. Both of them, the first one and the mm-hmm. Golden Army, really great movies. I feel like having that 
that kind of Grus- attitude to attitude, it. the gruesomeness that they're describing the darker. Not that it wasn't dark already, because mm-hmm. uh, Guillermo del Toro did a good job of making mm-hmm. it dark like it's supposed to be. It's the paranormal. Yeah. So, I mean, to have it described as darker and more gruesome, uh, I think it, later on in the thing it says mm-hmm. it's going to be a little bit more gory. Well, and the thing I wanted to quote out to yeah. is you can see the full quote in the article down below in the description, but the one thing that he mentions later in um, his interview was that they wanted to, like, they want to ride a razor edge, him and the director want to ride a razor edge between a horror movie and a comic book movie. And that's where you're going to get that more darker, more gruesome, to where it's like, yes, this is a comic book movie, but you might be looking at, like, you know what, like, if I don't know what the comic book side of this is, it just looks like a horror movie to me. Yeah, exactly. Which actually might be a good uh, twist on putting on mm-hmm. there, because the people who don't know about it... Hellboy's a demon. Exactly. He's a demon. He's mm-hmm. going to be fighting ghosts and other paranormal creatures. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of good that they're kind of going that route, too, because you can have that both sides, the comic book people, and you can have the people who like horror films, if you're going to go more so the horror aspect, mm-hmm. and just, hey, you know what? I can go see it because it just looked like a horror film. Well, and the working title that they're working with right now is Hellboy... Rise of the Blood Queen. Yeah, I'm intrigued on what that's about. Cause, <laughs> um, I mean, I've heard of some. I've I haven't dove into the comics, well, it's, but it's the I Queen mean, of Blood. That's who they're. Thank that's you. Who I'm thinking about? Well, she's literally the Queen of Blood. Okay, that is what she is in the Hellboy comics. And with when it comes to the Hellboy comics, I only know that she's the Queen of Blood. I've never dove into the Hellboy side of things. And um, I want to say Hellboy was Dark Horse. Dark Horse um, comics, comics, yeah. But that is all I know. That, okay, Rise of the Blood Queen, that is probably going to be the villain that we are working with I would in think this so. one. And we already know who our Hellboy is going to be for. It's going to be a guy that me and you talked about possibly being Cable and yep. Deadpool, but he won't be because that's going to be Brolin. Mm-hmm. But David Harbour from Stranger Things looks like he's going to be tasked with being Hellboy in the movie. Yes. So, I mean, um, I think I can see him doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know about his... It's going to be... Di- like, And this is the thing where it's going to ride that line for me. Yeah. Nothing is going to be like Ron Perlman. No, no, no. I, you cannot replace Ron Perlman. Like, Ron Perlman he was... He just had the perfect attitude for it. Well, he had the perfect attitude for the PG... Because I want to say PG-13. Yeah, it was PG-13, was the um, Hellboy from 2004. Yeah. And he was perfect for a PG-13 Hellboy because he still had that attitude. Like, he had the, uh, I can just imagine him right now with the cigar in his mouth, just kind of oh, yeah. telling people off, being kind of an ass, because that's Hellboy is kind that's of how an he ass. Does. That's how he do. Because he's an outsider. I mean, when he grows up. It's one of those things where I am a demon. I do not look like everybody else. I don't technically belong around here as much yeah. as I'd like to. And da- dad wants to keep me kind locked of up. locked up in the basement so nobody freaks out about a devil running around town in the night. Exactly. To, at least, although I'm trying to save other people, he was perfect for that. He and was. David Harbour, the thing that's going to be interesting is... With the R-rated, mm-hmm. is it going to be R-rated because of 
the of course the language you can kind of expand that yeah, a little you bit can more. Now. But I kind of feel like the R ratedness is going to pay more effects into the horror side of things. No, yeah, things can get more gory. It can get more dark in the sense of like for Deadpool, who really we're going every rated R comic book movie from now until the end of time is going to be related to Deadpool because Deadpool, Deadpool kind yeah. of literally broke the barrier like he breaks the fourth wall and everything that he does. And it's going to be different in that sense because in Deadpool, it was more of a, yes, we got some gore in that when it was the gunshot that went through four people's heads or the sword stuff, cutting things off or the like hand growing back and we got some of that, but let's be honest. Most of Deadpool's rated Rness mm-hmm. was his language and his filthiness. Yeah, for, it's for not a good gonna, part of it. It's not going to be like that with Hellboy. With no. Hellboy, the rated Rness is going to come from the horror aspect of it and playing with that paranormal, making it like I look at that as if you're going to make it comic book slash horror film, and we know Hellboy deals with the paranormal. I would just say you're already hinting at. The Blood Queen being in this, yeah, she better be amazing. Like, oh yeah, a gory, just like not like a gory. I in my head, I'm thinking, oh, it's a gory mess. No, not like that. But it's got to be. That's where the rated Rness is going to come in. Make her where you are playing to every inch of that rated R to R category that you can go for with this movie. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is you can uh, add a, a hair bit. Not not even a hair, like a little, mm-hmm. a bit more violence out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Hellboy can still get injured. He's not like he's not invulnerable like the Hulk or anyone yeah. else like that. So he can still get injured. But let's let's not let's think about it this way: How many people is he actually hit with that big club of a hand? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been machines or th- things with machines or things that can take the blood. Maybe force. him hitting someone in the face and just smashing them. Exactly, you can throw that in there now. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just throwing out the ideas that like mm-hmm. you can expand on now. That fist can be used in more of a more violent reaction now mm-hmm. instead of, oh, I'm going to keep hitting this machine and it's just going to break apart. Plus, I'm thinking they hinted at it in the 2004 version where yeah. like he trims his horns yeah. and he keeps them down because if they like in the one part where they grew – it was one of those things where it looked like, oh, he was getting to like a final form of like being a demon. Yeah. You can even play with that a little bit more with it being R rated and if you're going to go towards the horror side of things as well. Yeah. I mean, they can, uh, once again, like they did in the first one, play into his full demon form, mm-hmm. which is, it's just him with the longer horns. It's got yeah. the, the crown of uh, flame. Mm-hmm. It's just um, him kind of embracing more of the demon side or becoming a nung ung on Rama, mm-hmm. um, so him actually being the—I I don't want to say like a demon prince or to bring hell on earth. I, that's the—I yeah. remember that's what's from before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can play more on that stuff, just more the darker, the grittier, and kind of like the It movie coming out. You can have a comic book movie overlaid on like something as creepy as that. So that's what you're thinking of. Like, I mean, in the, like as a, a like simultaneous mm-hmm. thing going back and forth. So like, so you're the, saying his demon form when we see like the crown and not stuff, even just that, just could, the whole feeling of the movie in general. Okay, could be so like suit like Hellboy mm-hmm. movie on top of a very creepy. Any of the horror movies we've seen come out that have been really good. Okay, or I'm trying to think of. Of course, this was a 
different kind of horror movie. Maybe it's a different kind of horror in general, but like Get Out. Get Out. That was um, Jordan yeah. Peele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. was, um, I've heard rave reviews about it. Okay, I yeah, to yeah. See it. That type where it's more of a, I don't want to call it jump scare, mm-hmm. but it's, um, no, it's more intense. Makes you think a little bit. Yeah, more it's than, more, the more intense That one. movie makes you think a little bit more than like an It. Yeah. Because an It is all about the, oh, that that clown is just creepy. Creepy, some jump scares. Where, yeah, you're Maybe right. Maybe making like the Queen of Blood creepy, making, making Hellboy like, man, I know he's the protagonist in this, but damn, does he look creepy. He's scaring the hell out like, of me a little bit on like, the inside. Damn, like scary as fuck, basically. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is that I am unsure because the only thing that I have to base it off of is Stranger Things. Yeah. I'm unsure whether or not David Harbour, like I'm I'm sure in the fact that cast him as Hellboy, he'll be good in mostly any role yeah. that he is because I did like him in Stranger Things, but it's not one of those things where you can say, yes, I can see the things from his character in Stranger Things translating over to no, Hellboy. No, because none of that 100% translate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see little bits here and there kind of mm-hmm. comp- like going hand in you hand, o- but not like You know, it's the only 100%. thing I can see translating over off the top of my head. Huh. The scene in Stranger Things, I want to say it's from episode one. Where Spoilers if you haven't the, seen it. The first time you see... Harbor's character. Yeah. He's in his trailer. There's like garbage and everything. All it's a messy trailer. Just can of beer on the table, I think. He's basically in his uh tidy whities and a t shirt waking up and he just like or not a t shirt, no shirt, puts on his jeans, has that cup of coffee with the cigarette in the mouth, and it's basically like that. Yeah, I just rolled out of bed. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I can see that. That would play translating into Translating over because Hellboy, I could just picture right now, has his like room all set up. And it's kind of like from the 2004 one where he just rolls out of bed, kind of puts on his slacks, kind of cigar in the mouth. Like, yeah, I don't give a crap. Yeah, exactly. I, I give no crap attitude. I just woke up and just have that snarky, not snarky, but that kind of like ash holish. Yeah. Um, personality, I'll say, right off the front, because Hellboy and even Ron Perlman did it great. Was oh, he did fantastic with that. He doesn't have a soft interior, a soft exterior. exterior. Yeah, he is a walled off guy. Like he builds walls to Upon keep walls, people out. He has yeah. a maze around him to keep people out of what might be going on. Up and here. very few people are allowed in, mm-hmm. besides kittens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kitten that. That might that is interesting how that'll play into it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's his favorite animal, at least mm-hmm. in the uh, the movie yeah. that we saw. I mean, I don't know if you ever seen them too. I believe a long time ago on Netflix they mm-hmm. had um, Hellboy, Iron. Uh, I think it's Blood and Iron, mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool too. Is the cartoon version of it kind of what the one with the same motif as the comic books are? It was a pretty good storyline too. He fights again, fights the paranormal. It was a bit creepier mm-hmm. than the movies in a sense, in a cartoon sense. Yeah. I mean, I, that one was pr- pretty good, too. I feel like maybe they'll overlay into that one type, type of thing going mm-hmm. on. It'll just be interesting to see how they go with the rated R part of it. But yeah, I do, no, I, But I will say I do like what I am at least hearing right now. So far. The whole, you know, we want to ride that razor thin edge between comic book movie and horror movie. Yeah. That shows to me, like, we don't want to be a comic book movie with horror film tropes and stuff in there. Yeah, no. But we it's wanna... not like we don't want to be a horror movie 
but with comic book things thrown in there. We want to ride the line to where we're kind of one in the same, where it's kind of like the Venn diagram, and where you see comic book and you see horror, and we want to be that middle sliver like this, that, that middle area yeah. that has both of them together. And that's what, if they can hit and nail on that, this will be a great movie. And it would. Of course, I'm going to go see it, so take oh, my definitely. money right now. May as well take my money now. Do you have any final thoughts on the whole Hellboy thing before we move into the Universal Monster and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? No, I'm actually excited to see what they're going to do with this just because mm-hmm. you can play more into it now. And especially since they want to go the route of, hey, we're going to do kind of a half and half of a horror, comic, comic, horror book. Book and comic book movie. And just like they, this is the perfect character to do with it, I feel mm-hmm. like, at least for a starter, unless you went with... DC's what is it? Um, You're talking about the uh, Dark Justice League. Yes, yeah. it's like Constantine and yeah, that's yeah. You know, unless you went that route, Justice this League is darker. Whatever yeah, they call Dark Justice League. Yeah, whatever with the dark like magic and stuff. That this is probably actually I would say this is the one of the perfect characters mm-hmm. to pick to do this with because you can I could see a Hellboy movie having those horror film aspects exactly into it and it actually working to where it's like, wow, that was a really good movie. And I cannot wait to see the thing. Like, we're going to see on Twitter that they're going to post stuff about Harbor as Hellboy. We're going to see trailers eventually. Mm -hmm. Of course, this isn't something that's going to happen right away. They're still working on it. And apparently, the Cosby said the script is done. But work will still continue as we move forward, always trying to do the best we can, end quote. So this is where we're going to turn the conversation on to you guys, though. Let us know what you think about an R-rated Hellboy. What do you think of them trying to mix the comic book genre in the horror, horror genre. movie genre, putting it together into one movie? And give give us some theories. How do you think if the Blood Queen is or the Queen of Blood is what they go with, how would she be tied in? to the Hellboy movie because this is a reboot. Yeah. This is not going to pair off from the Hellboy that we've seen. No, this yeah, is, this boom, is a new Hellboy. Just cut off the other two. Mm-hmm. This is not the same. Brand new. So tell us how the what? Blood Queen would work into that. Let us know down below in the comment section. But Johnny, we're going to move on into our next topic and this is a kind of series yeah. that I didn't expect us to talk about as much as we have been since the first time we've talked about it, and that is yeah. the universal monster kind of universe that they are setting up with the first one being The Mummy. Me and you are excited to see it. Dave, yes, I know, are. when he saw the trailer during Guardians of the Galaxy 2, said hashtag not my mummy because he likes the <laughs> Brendan Fraser Brandon mummies. Frazier. Let us know which one you prefer down below yeah. in the comment sure. section. But what we have from The Mummy is a feature app that... Universal Pictures kind of put out via Sci-Fi Wire on their channel. And if you want to see the featurette, I'm going to put a link to the article that has it in it down below in the comment section. Or you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to put the video down below in the comment section. I'm going to take out the middleman. I'll Make put the video right there for you guys. And what we see in this featurette, a little two clips of it, is more behind-the-scenes footage of Tom Cruise fighting a Dr. Jekyll who is played by Russell Crowe, which has kind of forced me to ask the question. It's uniquely how I am asking this question, Johnny. How is Dr. Jekyll going to fit in 
to this monster universe because how I'm looking at it is there's no way that Dr. Henry Jekyll can just fit in to this one movie. No, I feel like we're going to have to have him either, because as of now, they don't have him set for his own movie, mm-hmm. which alone would be a great which movie. I think there's a reason behind that, but I'll let you, I'm going to let you kind of give your thoughts first. I feel like if it's not a decent chunk of this movie, which mm-hmm. so far doesn't seem so. It looks like he's going to be in it for quite a bit, though. Yeah, well, he's going to mm-hmm. be in and out, but I feel like more so for, for more of it as Dr. Jackal. Mm-hmm. I think... Because there was that one clip with Russell Crowe doing the voiceover and stuff. That, that's a video I will have down below as well. He did a voice of uh, Mr. Mr. Hyde. Hyde. Yeah. So we do know. Mr. Eddie Hyde. He has it. You, Evil Incarnate, me, your good friend, Eddie, Eddie Hyde. Hyde. So we Business do know, proposition. So we do know he is rewarding. And just with you saying that, I'm not going to tease it any longer. I'm going to give you yes. what I am thinking, and then you can react Let's to hear my it. master plot. Everything that we've seen with Russell Crowe. Yes. Because before this featurette, didn't look at the IMDb page, didn't know that he was Dr. Jekyll. No, I, I didn't either. I just thought that it was, because in every trailer we've seen, it was them finding out who the mummy is, him telling them who exactly she is. So I just thought he was playing some evil, like... He's going to be the museum guy, but museum then, curator type but person. But then turns evil because he wants to kind of control her power to kind of control the world for himself. Okay. Because he's researched and he knows what's going on behind the scenes when it comes to the mummy. But now that it's Dr. Jekyll, here's what I'm thinking. Either one of two things. Okay. Either later in the movie, he becomes like we find out that he has been you know, experimenting with what Dr. Jekyll does and Mm -hmm. turns into Mr. Eddie Hyde and confronts the mummy. And that's where you get the, I got a business proposition for you, you evil incarnate, me, your good friend, Eddie Hyde. Or kind of an Avengers thing where it's, there's a bigger, darker entity that is kind of overseeing everything. That is basically looking to, hey, the mummy's the first one. She's the first one that I need to help take over the world. Could be. I needed her to be set free to help take over the world. Now I know where she is. Because obviously at the end of the movie, I think that they're going to kind of capture her back into her tomb and put her away somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere that the government or something thinks she cannot harm anybody. Kind of like at the end of the... Um, what was it? The Captain America or something? Yeah. We have the Tesseract. It's in good hands kind of a thing. But we all know what kind of happened with that. Yeah. So it's either he's going to go to the mummy as Eddie Hyde, and that's where we get the line that we heard. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be a post credit scene, because we know how much we love those. Oh, yeah. Gotta in this have day some of those age. Now. And it's going to be him as Eddie Hyde coming to... This darker entity, and that's where we would get the, I got a business proposition for you. You, evil incarnate, your good friend, Eddie Hyde, and it basically ends up being, hey, myself is Eddie Hyde. I'll use the other guy, Dr. Jekyll, because they're two personalities in themselves. Yeah. Do- Mr. Eddie Hyde is, I'll convince the other guy, don't worry, I'll go out and find these other ones, these other monsters that they're going to have. Wolfman, 
Swamp Thing, okay. Bride of Frankenstein, and this evil entity is trying to put together these pieces to kind of control or kind of take over the world, take over the universe kind of a thing. Now, let me just throw one little thing. It's a little, little bit thing. of a theory, but let me throw it's one little I'm thing at. You're saying the mummy is considered the when he talks to it, the evil entity, right? It's either it's either one of two things. Okay. It's either if he's talking because I'm not quite sold on if he's talking to the mummy. Okay. Or if the evil incarnate is that if it's the post-credit scene it would be the higher being that he is talking to, the person that is kind of pulling the strings or trying to eventually pull the strings on stuff. Now, let me put it this way, Mm -hmm. because we don't know Tom Cruise's exact role in it besides he wants to stop the mummy. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget in the beginning of the we see in the trailers, he's chosen by the mummy. So what if true? What if he's that evil incarnate? Even though it's not, he doesn't choose. Does, just because it, mm-hmm. you're considered evil incarnate doesn't mean you're chosen to. Mm-hmm. You choose that life. So what if he's saying? Maybe. And he want he doesn't want some mummy on his grounds. Mm-hmm. That, that he's the one that he's top dog. You're talking the, about Tom Cruise's character. Yeah, he. No, no I'm saying Jack. Jackal. Jackal okay. and Hyde are like, hey, I'm top dog with this mummy out. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer top dog. You're evil incarnate. You're bu- I'm your buddy, uh, Mister Hyde. Mm-hmm. Let's let's work together and take down the take down this. I'm just throwing that out there for you. That one I think is kind of a stretch for me, only okay. because I don't know how you would work that in turning the protagonist of the movie into an evil entity. I would think it'd be a separate entity that it's like, holy shit, these are all gonna kind of well. I'm uh, just saying, evil incarnate together. He's like it doesn't seem like he chose this, but he mm-hmm. got chosen by the mummy, mm-hmm. and now he did. He survived a plane crash. He's being chased by ghouls. He's being. I think there was a scene where he's surrounded by rats. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of evil incarnate to me, even if it's not by choice. Maybe, and that's the thing with this movie is, I am now even more excited to see it. Yeah, because and you know it's going to be the worst thing in the world. What? Is if they take Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, make him a one-off in this movie, and then at the end of the movie, he's dead. Oh, I hope they, I really hope they don't do that. I would be, I'd be furious because I'd be like, like, it's the line that we get in Russell Crowe's video. It was, it looked like a Snapchat of his. Yeah. And where he says, we're going to say it, I'll say it again for you, the, you, even in Connick, you good friend, Eddie Hyde. And he even puts a kind of sniffle yeah. in there for um, Mr. Hyde. I kind of am leaning more towards post credit scene. I can see that. Because in The Mummy, I don't know if throwing in another villain like Mr. Hyde would be... Because Tom Cruise's character obviously could take on Dr. Jekyll. That's how we see the fight scenes. And yeah. We see the scene of him bashing Tom Cruise's head basically into a window. Yeah. Um, But I don't think, like, that's the only reason why I wouldn't want to throw Mr. Hyde in there and why I would save him to the post credits. I think that it would be too much on top of a mummy that can do everything that she can do. Okay, well, what about you just, what the scene I said, he's talking Mm -hmm. to Tom Cruise's character in a post credit scene. Because like I said, mummy chose him. For some reason, and he's like the, the, these other scenes to me. So you're saying like, they kill the mummy, and then whatever evil incarnate she has 
infects Tom well, I mean, Cruise because he's no, chosen? No, he's already chosen. He's already got the evil mm-hmm. incarnate thing going on. It seems like at least from the preview so far. Mm-hmm. So if that's just a post-credit scene of, hey, you join me, let's do this, and just like... I'm not buying it. Because the, their goal in the you, movie you've got is the to ku- trap the... You've maybe got they don't the kill Kool-Aid the mummy. there, Johnny. Yeah. And you're not like there's that, like, you're close. You, you've got it there. And I'm like, huh, I could take a drink of that Kool-Aid. But you're not giving me that one thing that's making me going, yep, I am going to take this Kool-Aid and I'm going to drink it. Because the thing that I'm thinking is on top of, like, you say, oh, well, he's chosen. What if he's only chosen because the mummy needs him to complete whatever prophecy that yeah. she has? Not a sense of like, oh, you are evil like myself. Just a no, I need you. I, without you, I cannot do yeah. what I have to do. Yeah, and maybe and I think that's why we get like the because you even look on the plane, the birds fly through it. He survives the plane crash. The rats in the trailer, tons of things that should have killed him by now. Yeah, are not killing him. Yeah, exactly. So that's the question, I guess, is how mm-hmm. how deep does this thing go? How deep does this rabbit hole go? Do you really want to jump down that rabbit hole? When we see the movie, yes. <laughs> we'll have to when we see the movie, which will be, I think it's the week after Wonder Woman. Yes, So I'm Wonder sure. Woman on the June 2nd, on June 9th will be this one. But I'm just, I can't wait to see, and I think this kind of branches us into a discussion that I know that we have had a couple of times on the podcast briefly yes. of how are these movies all going to be tied together? Because the last one we talked about was the Wolfman movie that they're thinking about getting the rock to play yeah. the Wolfman. And they're kind of right now saying, well, it's probably going to be set up for the same weekend as the new mutants. That's when we mentioned it, but how is everything from the mummy? Because it looks like the mummy is going to set it up. Because we've got the mummy, then we've got one in April of eight, April of eighteen, mm-hmm. and then February of nineteen. Okay. Right now, those are just untitled films, so they can put anything they want there. But out of the ones that they have to pick from, Bride of Fra- Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Invisible Man. Helsing and Wolfman. Yeah, I'm trying to think how those can all be correlated together. Just because, I mean, at first I was just thinking, well, Universal is just throwing out their monster movies again. Or Mm -hmm. not again, but they're throwing out these old monster movies, which is pretty cool. But uh, maybe there's an underlying attachment to all of them. But it Um, looks like they're trying to link them. Maybe the underlying attachment has to all do with... Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Mm -hmm. just him. Uh, Who knows? And the one thing that I was looking at that, you know what I would love for them to do, but I don't think they can because the movie was um, 20th Century Fox Mm -hmm. when it came out. Could you imagine if they were just doing all of these movies to kind of branch back up to a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? That'd be cool. Because they have the Invisible Man. Yeah. They gonna Dr. have Jekyll, a Doctor Jekyll. However, the other ones, how would they fit? I, That's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, it's the one I'm most in. I'm most intrigued to how he'll fit in mm-hmm. is Van Helsing. Yeah, well, I mean, Van Helsing because it's not going to be Hugh Jackman. 
Uh, sorry. Uh, sadly. I mean, the, the Hugh Jackman was a great Van Helsing. It was. Um, but, I mean, he does have to do with Dracula, mm-hmm. which, if we're going along with the concept of the original League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. um, I believe it's Mia something. I can't remember the last name. Mm-hmm is the vampiric woman in the other movie. So yeah. there's your tie right there with the vampiric part. True. And it's just, oh, Dr. Jekyll, how is he going to, like, I think he's going to be the bridge. I do, I do too. It like seems like how, he's going to be the bridge. Like, I think he's going to be the Samuel L. Jackson to this movie. Possibly. The one that, like, because Samuel L. Jackson at the end of Iron Man 1, I'm getting a team together. Here's my card, hands it to... uh Stark. To Stark. Then you get the, at the end of Hulk, here's my card, hands it to Ross, and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. He's the one that ties it together. I kind of feel like there's a possibility to do that with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because of what they are setting up Mr. Hyde as, where it's, if he's this kind of historian in a museum, Mm -hmm. There's a reason for him to study the mummy, study the culture of uh, Transylvania and, and that part with maybe the Bride of Frankenstein, study the kind of swamp that maybe the black lagoon or the creature comes from the black lagoon, yeah. the invisible man, Van Helsing, Wolfman, kind of looking at these different places and being able to study them and get a better mindset for how can we get these guys on our side? And that's why I'm leaning towards, and I know it's kind of a bold prediction. Yes. Because we don't have a lot to work with. Not yet. But my bold prediction is, after credit scene, Mr. Hyde talking to something. Yeah. Something that is not the mummy, not uh, Tom Cruise, which all we know now is the evil incarnate. That's where a partnership is going to line up to where it's like, okay, Dr. Jekyll's going to help this thing through Mr. Hyde because Mr. Hyde's going to be the one communicating from Hyde, from Jekyll to the evil incarnate. Mm-hmm. He's going to locate these other ones for him. He's going to locate the Wolfman, going to locate the vampires in Val- Van Helsing, going to um, locate Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein, locate the creature from the Black Lagoon and then maybe at the end we get like an ultimate monster movie, maybe where everything comes together. I don't even know how that would work. No, how I'm not totally all sure. the monsters would come together. The only one that I can think of is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie. But like I said, that was 20th Century Fox, and this is Universal, so it's different rights and um, everything on top of that. But any, do you have any last comments? Any last thoughts? No, no, about actually, this monster universe. As of now, I think we have to wait and see the mummy mm-hmm. movie first, you yep. and I, before we can get an idea of where exactly he plays into it. Because I can either see mm-hmm. it as an after credit scene or him trying to bargain his way out of a fight with the mummy, with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, him you trying to bargain. Incarnate, you good friend Eddie Hyde. I yeah, just like, like how he says it. Yeah, I, I do too. I love it. It's just like, hey. I'm yeah, I may be Mr. Hyde. I see that you're li- maybe a little bit out of my league of fighting. Mm-hmm. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. <laughs> I I could actually, I could see that. Yeah, but I'm going. I'm going to go with my bold prediction. Okay. I'm going to go with it. But this is where we're going to turn the conversation on to you guys. Let us know down below 
What do you guys think? How do these tie together? It will Dr. Jekyll be the one to tie everything together? And also make sure to check out the featurette and the Russell Crowe doing the Mr. Hyde voice down below in the description. If you have not already, let us know down below in the comment section. And Johnny, we got to move on into our last topic. And this is a first for the Rick and Johnny podcast. This is a first kind of setting everything up because in July we're going to be doing episode reactions and talking about this a lot more on the podcast as we've got things to talk about. Finally, yes. We got Game of Thrones. We're going to be talking about a little speculation on a Game of Thrones topic today. And at first I came to you and said, well, should we talk about kind of the Jon Snow mother theory? Yeah. Who his mom is, who his lineage is. But really, there's a deeper question that we should ask. Because as we left season seven, by the way, spoilers, 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 spoilers. If you, if have you are not, not seen caught it. up, pause, we'll be here, wait for you. That's what End we of do. season six, we by wait the way. For yeah, end of season six. If you are caught up to the current, to the current ready for season seven, then you're good to go. We're happy to have you. Good thing I did that before I spoiled yes. everything. But where we left everything was... Jon Snow and Sansa kind of sitting there ahead of all the houses of the North. Yes. And Little Bear kind of basically telling everyone, hey, you, when he needed you, you didn't show up. Hey, you, when he needed you, you didn't show up. Oh, by the way, hey, you, when you needed someone who showed up. Yeah, that's right. The Stark showed up. Mm -hmm. Kind of a slap in the face like, who are you guys? Like, who cares if... He's not a Stark. Per se, well, yeah. I, I use air quotes because he's technically got Ned Stark blood in him yes. through um, his sister. But it's one of those things where because he's a bastard child, oh, shouldn't be King of the North. Can so they, end, that. they end that with King of the North, King, king of, of the North, North kind of North. pronouncing him the King of the North. Yes. There's a little jealousy, though, with Sansa because there's a sidebar where little fingers kind of just kind of infusing into her head, hey, you should be queen. It should be queen of the north. You've, you're full blood. You're a full blood Stark. He's a bastard child. And yeah. I get why little fingers doing this because little finger even said it. I have one image in my head. And when I come to a decision, a yes or no of should I do it, I ask myself, will it make the image in my head a reality? And if the answer is yes, I do it. So this is, all him basically trying to get her the top of the north yes. so that she can become the queen of everything, and then he can basically take the throne from her. Swoop in, become Swoop king. Swoop in, become king. She can be the queen right the queen right next to him yes. kind of a thing. And this is where I'm going to ask you the simple question heading up into season seven. Should Jon Snow or Sansa Stark reign over the North and be either the king or the queen of the North. In all honesty, I give it to Jon Snow. Yes, Sansa is a full blood mm-hmm. Stark, but in my opinion, and this is all theory on my part when I go along this. Okay. I feel like, A, like we talked about before the podcast, he is Ned Blo- uh, Ned Stark's sister's mm-hmm. son. Who do I think is the father, though? A Targaryen. Yeah. 
So, and I, I mean, so he's got the blood of the dragon running. He's got the blood him. of the dragon running through him. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's got the run. He's got Stark blood in him. Mm-hmm. So he should be king of the north. And technically, before king of everything, king of everything, mm-hmm. because before they were overthrown, Targaryens were in charge. So I mean, he's technically should the one that should be king. Yeah, she's a Stark blood. Starks are of the north. He's got Stark blood too. It just happens that she's got Stark Stark blood. Running through her. Yeah, even what I forgot. She's got pure blood. She's got yeah. We'll call her pure blood. We'll yeah, go with that because it's she's not. And the big thing is she's not a bastard child. That too. Because the whole thing with Jon Snow is nobody knows what we know. Exactly. Like, nobody in like everybody that's there saying King of the North, King of the North. They don't know what we know. We know because of Brand's vision. Yeah. That hey, you know what. You're not you're not our father's son. You wouldn't be my brother. You would be my cousin. Yes. That's what you would be. But John, not John Snow, but Ned Stark, when he came back, what would have sounded it would have been bad, but what would have been worse? Coming back and saying, This is my bastard son, and just living with it. Yep. Or saying, No, this is my sister's. Son, and having to do with that because one. This of the is big, my sister's bastard son. Yes, one of the big things you have to think about is Ned Stark's sister was planned to, or planned was um, arranged in a marriage to Robert Baratheon. Yes, and we all know Robert Baratheon, not the nicest of guys when you get him a little angry. Yeah, especially when you see him. I think it was episode one when you see him and Ned. Down by, I, I assume it was the grave or the grave site that they have mm-hmm. for Ned's sister, and just hearing Baratheon talk about her, you're like, I do not want to see this guy if he would have found out, because he would have been drunk with blind rage with how much he loved her. Yeah, especially if it was like a no, this is not like this guy had sex with my wife. Well, my wife to me, and yeah. Had this son, he would have killed him. Yeah. John Snow wouldn't have been here today. No. And the thing that we don't know is that in that scene that Bran saw with Ned and his sister, we don't know exactly what she whispered into Ned's ear. But let's be honest. We can all assume that it was basically, please protect my son. Mm-hmm. Please make sure that he's okay. And a big thing is in every single time that Ned is away and able to, who's there with him? John. John Snow. Yeah. It wasn't a whole thing of, hey, I want you to learn with the others how to do things. It was basically, I don't want to keep you out of my sight. Mm-hmm. Because if I keep you out of my sight, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Ned was pretty much um, set on if you made a promise, he kept it. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say is, weren't they, um, when they killed the Targaryens, mm-hmm. were they not trying to kill all of them at when they when they did that? Because I know- They were. One of them was sent to the wall. Mm-hmm. The other two were basically exiled. The Well, because at the beginning in season one, you had um, Khaleesi and her brother. Yeah, they were, were on the outskirts of... They were across Yeah, they were across the, the water, yeah. And they had gotten away because it was the one who killed the king, the Mad King, yeah. was Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Exactly. And... So basically it was, hey, we got to get out of here or else they're going to kill everything. And maybe if they found out that 
Jon Snow was, was part a Targaryen. Targaryen. He might have been killed that way. That's so, the other one I wanted to bring so, up. So Ned had to protect Jon Snow. Yes. However, on the other side with Sansa, she technically is true blood. She is true blood. She Stark, technically yeah. is true blood. And this is where it comes into the fact of Jon Snow, to me, I agree with what they were saying at the end of season six. Yeah. It does not matter. It does not matter to me that he is not pure Ned Stark and Catelyn Stark blood. blood. To me, it doesn't matter because he, A, has the Stark blood running through him. Mm -hmm. And everything that he has shown has shown the leader of a king to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everything he goes above and beyond to get everything done. mm -hmm. And part of that is I know we were watching a um, video from the YouTube channel's Emergency Awesome and uh, he did a video on Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and he referred to it as the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Basically, the I'm an imposter, so I have to prove myself. Yeah. I have to prove myself that I fit in, that I am a son of Ned Stark. And part of me is like, okay, you can describe it in that way, but the thing that I kind of go back to, and this is what I think of when it comes to the two— is Jon Snow, to me, is, and you can even think about this in actual politics today. Yeah. Jon Snow, to me, is like the, I don't want to use actual, I was thinking of two in my head, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't go over well. I'm just going to use layman's terms. He's the down-to-earth guy. Yeah. He's the guy that, right now, if you're voting for a president, that I'm voting for that guy because he is just like me. He gets the working class. He gets the the modern man, the modern woman. He he understands the middle class kind of a thing yeah. and what we're going through. That's John Stark because John Stark has been a Snow. person. Snow has been. <laughs> I'm just calling him John Stark because he's Stark. But John Snow, um, he's been trying to prove himself. Yeah. Ever since day one, and he kind of exactly. has. That fight, that fight, that fight. Whereas Sansa, she was born. That's it. That's it. She was born, and then boom, she was a Stark. Kind of. She's the kind of a silver, silver spoon, spoon child. Yeah, silver spoon in the mouth. Everything, everything you want will be handed to you because you are the princess. You are going to be a queen someday. That kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want it to take away from. Yes, the character of Sansa is a strong character. And she's not as silver spoonish as King Joffrey was. No, she's yeah, she's. But she still has that little bit of silver spoonish. Maybe it's bronze. Maybe a bronze spoon, but it's still there. Where basically the point is, she was born into it. Never had to work to prove anybody. Exactly. Whereas Jon Snow literally had to prove. Each and every day. And I know you're not going to get this reference, but I'm bringing a sports reference into it. Okay. Last night before I went to bed, I was watching the 30 for 30 um, on the Bad Boys, which was the Detroit Pistons. Okay. And it reminds me of what they were talking about between two of the players on that team, where Isaiah Thomas, kid from Chicago, had to work for everything. Had to work for everything with the shit situation that he was in. Like, he was saying two of his brothers, one... One died from HIV from heroin. The other drank himself to death. Mm -hmm. And he had to work himself just to get to 
the NBA where he was. Yeah. Whereas there was a, another player that they traded for that was on that team, Bill Lambeer. He was also from Chicago, but he was from the wealthier side of the wealthier suburb of Chicago. Dad was an executive, had a lot of money, didn't have to worry about anything. So that's what it kind of reminds me of here. Yeah. Where John Snark is the John Snow, John Snark, 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 Snark. John Snow is that person who had to work for everything. Yeah. You could call it the imposter syndrome. You can call it just he had to prove everyone wrong. Whereas Sansa didn't have to prove anyone wrong. No. Didn't have to do as much as Jon Snow is. And that's why if I was a normal person, I would relate more to, to Jon, Jon Snow. Snow as a ruler. Yeah, because I mean, I understand watching the series. Sansa has been through a lot at this point. Mm-hmm. I get it. She was supposed to marry Joffrey. That one basically was in a marriage with Joffrey. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to handle that. She went to, but that went to shit Mm -hmm. as soon as he met a more attractive woman. Yeah, Uh, and then the next part was Ramsey Bolton. She was traded off to him after Mm -hmm. a while, and we saw how that went with that. And yeah, this made her a stronger woman, but that did not does not equate to what Jon Snow has been through Mm -hmm. when he lived with the Starks. He hated him. Yeah, but Catelyn couldn't stand him. He did everything in his. Everything he could to try and prove himself a Stark. And in mm-hmm. Ned's eyes... He was a Stark. He was a Stark because, he, I mean, he already knew the truth, but mm-hmm. John more than proved himself. When he went to the Wall, he proved himself there, too. Not just, like, he went, He was a great warrior. He did his job anyways. He rose up to, what was the leader of it called? Lord Commander. Lord Commander. <laughs> Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Yeah, and he proved himself a great Lord Commander until mm-hmm. he was backstabbed by five... Four or five, whoever Close. it was. It was four or five people, whatever. He lived. It didn't matter. Didn't happen. Lived. Didn't happen in my mind. He's magic. alive. He's alive. It's magic. But he's alive. That's yeah, all that matters. That's all but that matters. It's And I, I'm glad you bring that up because when he went to the Night's Watch, yeah. he could have easily been like, fuck this, and just bitched about it the entire time. Exactly. But he didn't. Where I kind of feel like on the side of Sansa, yes, she's been through a lot. Yeah. She complains a lot. She does. She complains a lot. Every little bit. And that's what I feel like plays into the silver spoon side to the had to work for everything side. Exactly. And that's why if I was somebody in the North, I would say King of the North, Jon Snow, over Queen of the North, Santa Stark. And the thing I want to kind of end this with yes. before I throw it on to them, to let them tell us who they would have reigning over the North right now is season seven is going to be interesting. Seven and eight basically are going to be interesting. Cause I don't know if it's all going to get wrapped up in season seven. We are going to have a little bit of a rivalry going on Yeah, between snow and between Stark. Because like I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, Jon Snow, King of the North, King of the North, they basically, the North. Kind of re like announced him as King of the North. Littlefinger sitting there, kind of putting the ideas in Sansa's yeah. head, kind of poking her a little bit. I'm going to ask you this: Give me a prediction. Give me a like. Uh, what are you thinking is going to happen between these two in season seven? From this point, do you think? We're going to get an epic argument. Do you think Sansa's going to try to take the th- throne 
away from Jon Snow? What do you think is going to play out? I think um, kind of combining the whole layout of 7 and 8 mm-hmm. is going to be something along the lines of Littlefinger's going to keep putting that shit in her head. Mm-hmm. And she's going to become more and more jealous because all the all the other people of the North are following Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. And maybe she'll let him do his thing so she doesn't get, have to get her hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And the second it comes around to it, and, or some maybe not when it's actually like the resolutions there, when it's like kind of getting near the peak, she's going to come, maybe her and Littlefinger or just her, kind of stab him in the back type scenario. Mm-hmm. Or at least try to kind of make this epic argument thing. And maybe at some point or maybe at some point like during that or after it, she'll see you're wrong. He's a great leader. Littlefinger's just kind of manipulating you. So you're thinking it's going to get to battle, battle, battle to an apex. And then it resolves with them becoming together and being like, no, we're family we're in this together. I don't know about thing. them resolving that way. We we know how Game of Thrones can be resolved. Mm-hmm. It could be, yeah, we're family. We it could ya. be, we kill you. Yeah, some yeah. someone dies. Maybe I, little maybe Littlefinger will meet his end up to that. Part of me, even I remember I when I was watching does. the end of season six, I was like, part of me couldn't understand why Sansa was jealous because you guys are family. You should be. Like proud of, and I get part of it now. Thinking about it, like you're, you kind of have some of that entitlement of, yeah, I'm a full blood Stark. You are not. Like that could be part of it, but I am very anxious about the kind of just not awkwardness, but the tension that we're going to get between the two. And I really don't want anything bad to happen to John again. No, not I again. I don't. Because you know what I really want to happen? And this is more so for season eight. Because we do know Daenerys is coming. Khaleesi, mm-hmm. she is coming. Daenerys is coming. Across <laughs> the sea with her with her fleet. And her dragons. The end of, towards the end of the actual series with season eight, Daenerys, Jon Snow... They gotta meet. It has to come to head to head. That head to head of the Dragon Queen and Jon Snow, who we pretty sure has dragon blood in him and yeah. is a Targaryen of his own. How is that gonna play out when not only did Jon Snow in the North have to fight off a strong female character for King of the North, mm-hmm. but he might have to fight off a strong female Targaryen for, for full, the Iron Throne. Yeah, so we're going to basically Queen of the Queen of Dragons mm-hmm. versus the White Wolf versus the White Wolf. I would love to see that, and I actually like that matchup name. <laughs> what Queen of the North versus the White Wolf? Queen of the Dra- uh, Queen of Mother, Dragons? No, Mother of Dragons yes, versus Mother White Wolf versus the White Wolf, which is. John Snow, but this you, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Do you have any last final remarks? No, actually, I'm I'm both excited and nervous to see what happens, Mm because we all know nobody's safe in Game of Thrones. I'm going to make one last reference to the sports world, and this was, yet again, another 30 for 30 I watched last night before um, bed, and I'll kind of explain it in layman's terms so Johnny can get it as well. Um, Reggie Miller, one of my favorite players when Michael Jordan went to baseball, when he played the New York Knicks, mm-hmm. he had a point guard, a teammate, uh, Mark Jackson, which was kind of like his hype man. 
where they would be in New York for a series, and Reggie wouldn't leave the room, wouldn't look at any newspapers, but Mark Jackson would just be sitting there like, Reggie, Reggie, do you see? I can't believe they're saying this about you. They're saying that John Stark is a better ball player than you. Now I've played with I've played with John Stark, and I'm teammates with you, Reggie. And I I don't know if that's true. Basically, being his hype man, mm-hmm. being the one to hype him up yeah. so that when he gets to the event, he's ready to go. That's what Littlefinger is right now. Yeah, he is Sansa's hype man. True, where he's trying to hype her up, getting her ready for when that when he is anticipating that clash, that battle comes between Sansa and Jon Snow, and it just makes me anxious. Yeah. Makes me very anxious, because I just want them to be friends. I yeah. just want them to be friends, John. You guys, are on, the same, be you guys are on the same Why side, your family. But this is where I'm going to turn it on to you guys. Let us know down below in the comment section three things. First off, who should reign over the North, Sansa Stark or Jon Snow? Any predictions that you may have for Season 7 and Season 8 of Game of Thrones? And then number eight, are there any theories in Game of Thrones, any topics with Game of Thrones that you want us to talk about? Let us know down below in the comment section. Love talking Game of Thrones and can't wait for it to come back in July. So excited. So that we can do the episode reactions for you each and every week, the Sundays as they air on HBO. But Winter this is going to do it actually for the Rick and Johnny podcast. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Johnny is at War Machine 9085. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Also, if you've already hit that like and subscribe button, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. Just another way for you to help support the channel rather than hitting the like and subscribe button. Want to thank you guys for listening and watching one more time. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.